Hey everyone, today's episode is on discernment of spirits, and I'm including this in the tail end of our demonic series because yes, you can use these exercises to ensure that a voice you hear at your altar is angelic or positive rather than negative and demonic. Yeah, you can do that. But I'm also happy to do this episode because these exercises can be used in your daily life. Essentially, you're getting to know your intuition, you're getting to know the Holy Spirit that resides in you, and that intuition, that guide, can be used for anything in your life, any big decision, any vocation, any calling, any message. So I get into things like spiritual legalism and how to word things appropriately in protection, but I'm hoping the heart of this episode is about what I'm calling watchfulness meditation and just understanding and feeling your gut instinct. You're, you're feeling that fire, that voice within you, which is the Holy Spirit. So I hope you enjoy, and thank you so much for a fun series on the demonic too. This will be the last of it. Now we can get back to talking about cool saints. So. Thank you for all your support, and I hope you enjoy. And as always, all show notes, everything, and bonus content, daily bonus content, can be found on the Patreon. So, enjoy. Thank you. Peace be with you and with your spirit. Welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W. So throughout this series, I've been trying to distinguish between negative, evil, and even demonic spirits. Yes, you can be battling something or something could be harming you that you could consider a literal, demonic, di diabolical spirit or entity. Or it can be what you might consider a haunting, an unwanted spirit that's affecting you somehow. Lastly, there are also more common energies that can be at play in the world. Anxiety, anger, jealousy, fear, pride, lust, wrath. And while these aren't necessarily literal demons, these energies can push us away from communing with God here on earth. Therefore, we can still consider these spirits to be demonically inspired. And that might be a bit of a dramatic way to phrase it. However, it's important to put it in the same category because when you start looking into deliverance prayers and certain things for reversals and binding, you see that terminology. You see sometimes it's demon, sometimes it's unwanted spirit. However, other times it's spirit of anxiety, spirit of fear, sp spirit of jealousy. So while yes, calling those things demonically inspired might be a bit of a dramatic choice, but I'm using that because in the deliverance prayers and rituals, they are lumped together. And we've also made it very clear that spirits are everywhere and the spiritual world is very real. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably agree with that before even listening, that the spirit world is real and you can tap into it. And there's actually a big misconception in Catholicism, and there's going to be a separate episode on this. Um, there's this big misconception that Catholicism kind of shuns all of the occult and calls it all evil, witchcraft, and demonic. Of course, some do, but if you look back at St. Thomas Aquinas and most traditional Catholics and most every Catholic apologist is a Thomist, 
if you look back at him, he is the, the doctor of the church, the philosophical doctor of the church. All of church philosophy was is, is usually put through the lens of St. Thomas Aquinas. If you look and research his thoughts on the occult, you're going to see that church belief really did verify the validity of what you might call supernatural, what you might call psychic. Occult just means knowledge that is yet to be understood or found. So we're going to do a full episode on St. Thomas and the occult eventually, but he believed in things like psychic powers, that psychic powers are one, a gift of the Holy Spirit, but they can also be a natural gift from God that some of us have. Uh, he also not to go down too much of a tirade, he did believe that astrology could be used in certain instances, and also divination. Uh, he believed, and even the Catechism says, divination is only forbidden when it's an unnatural use or you're using unnatural means. But if you are to believe that psychic powers are natural, hmm, that's a tangent though. But the main thing and that has to do with this episode is he quite openly said that humans can come into contact with demons, angels, souls in purgatory, souls of the damned. That's interesting. And also saints. And saints are any soul that is in heaven. So the Catholic Church has always really insisted that you can come in contact with the spiritual world. Or to state that better, we are always in contact with the spiritual world, though at times we may encounter these spirits more directly. And I always thought that was interesting. And what I'm getting at here is this idea of opening up ourselves to spirit. And we do that all the time, whether you are doing some kind of elaborate candle spell, or if you're just praying the rosary, you are still opening up yourself to the spiritual world. And you'll hear Quite often, people say something will open up yourself to the demonic. But like I just said, any spiritual work, you're in, usually inviting a spirit into, this, into your space. So how do you know if it's a spirit, an angel, or a demon? And like I said, any form of spiritual work is opening up that portal. And yes, this includes pagan worship, ancestor worship, spiritual channeling, mediumship, divination, but it also includes rosaries, novenas, simple prayers, going to mass. That's also opening up ourselves to spirit. The devil appeared to Jesus as an angel of light. Padre Pio often had demons appear as a spiritual mentor. St. Anthony of the Desert, he had angels who were said they were going to protect him on his uh, hermitage to caves to spend his life as a, as a hermit. However, they then started tempting him to turn around, and that's when he realized, nope, these aren't angels, they're demons. Certain Marian apparitions can be tied to demonic interplay too. Our Lady of Cabejo is really interesting. That's a Marian apparition that took place around the Rwanda genocide in the 80s. And that apparition was considered true and valid church approval. However, there were other apparitions that were going on in the same time, and it wasn't of Mary, instead this time it was of Jesus. And the church said not only are these apparitions false and not to be trusted, they also kind of alluded that those Jesus apparitions that took place could actually have been demonic in nature. And that's not something the church says lightly either, and, and they hint at it in the statement. Because like we talked about, there has to be all of these things to make something demonic. So that's interesting too. 
However, we did also talk about how in biblical literature, people invited demons into idols, and those demons were acting under the guise of pagan deities. And then these demons then afflicted harm onto the people who were praying to them. So, am I saying every time you sit at your altar, you need to be prepared to fight a demon or a harmful spirit or a ghost? No, not at all. Perhaps as rare. <laughs> it does happen though. It does happen. Whether it's a true evil spirit or, as we talked about, a spirit of doubt, a spirit of fear, spirit of anger, and so on. Whether it's a ghost, whether it's an angel, whether it's a demon, whether it's a spirit of doubt, these spirits do arise. So I really want to talk about how the spiritual world, though, shouldn't be taken so lightly. I often see spiritual practitioners just reach out to random primordial gods and spirits, or even worse, they reach out to any spirit that is here with me today. And then they start experiencing negativity or even haunting type phenomena. One could even argue that some of them have experienced some kind of demonic infestation. And again, I know people that this has happened to, and when discussing what they've done, it's obvious that they were maybe not coming correct. But even then, it's still important to develop some kind of tools to understand and interpret feelings, signs, and maybe even sometimes very bold messages when you are connecting with spirits, whether that's a altar ritual or a rosary. I've also had people tell me that they've had strange messages appear from Mary or even Judas who told them things that were just obviously not, not right or correct. And of course, these people had the discernment to just kind of push them away. So today, I want to talk about discerning spirits. How do I know what I am speaking to is for me, not for me, or another thing? And I want to get into all of that. And this isn't just about protection from evil. This episode isn't just about how do I know if something's a demon. I'm leading with that because this is the tail end of our series on the demonic. These exercises can assist you in developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, it can be used for seeing if a message is good or bad, but also just to strengthen your intuition, your gut instinct, your internal voice, your guide, because those things are the Holy Spirit. So I hope these exercises assist you in getting to know yourself, your mind, but also the voice inside your heart, which is the Holy Ghost himself. So before we really jump into these exercises, I want to talk about some general do's and don'ts when doing any form of spiritual work. And one of the most fascinating aspects to me is what I'm going to call spiritual legalism. And the spiritual world, it appears to be kind of legalistic in many traditions, but it's especially there in Catholicism. And again, I'm trying to keep this whole series under the, the umbrella of, of full Catholicism. For instance, um, spirits are more likely to retaliate if the command is coming from you instead of God. That is why it's said that if you're a lay person, you should say, may God command this demon rather than may I command this demon. Again, legalism. So you're saying that the demon won't attack me if I say it's coming from God? Yes. <laughs> yes, that is what they're saying. And you see that other places too. The phrase unwanted spirits, that's used in prayers, rituals. And that term is used on purpose because it covers 
all of the un the kind of silos that we discussed, right? Negative energy, harmful ghosts, and demons. All of them, unwanted spirits. Also things like having separate retaliation prayers or statements uh, that are supposed to stop retaliation, you know, like, so removing the demon isn't enough. You have to command it to not retaliate. Very legalistic. And from a Catholic standpoint, just a textbook Catholicism standpoint, that's why novena prayers are written in a certain way. Often they are written in ways in which you are asking the saint to petition on your behalf rather than to pray to the saint directly. And sometimes that the, the older prayers are written that way because the petitioning is understood, but it is written that way because legalistically, if you are praying to the saint directly and asking the saint directly for its help in doing it, it might be ineffective because you need to ask the saint to petition. And again, that's a textbook understanding. Uh, folk Catholicism would, wouldn't be so rigid on that. But I, I do think at least it's interesting to see they're written that way for a purpose, and that's because the saints are supposed to petition on your behalf like a lawyer or something along those lines. So what am I getting at here? I'm getting at this. Words matter. Words are important. Ouija boards, they're not dangerous in of themselves, but when people start inviting any spirit available to communicate, then one of those spirits might be a demon. One of those spirits might be a poltergeist. One of those spirits might just be a trickster spirit who wants to make you uncomfortable for the next few days. It gets a little iffy. And it's believed, basically, that if we ask for any spirit in general, you're going to invite one that maybe you don't want. That's why it's important to be specific. Use that legalism. Even me, when I do tarot, I ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. I want to ensure that I am tapping into the Holy Spirit that I'm familiar with when I am doing reading for people. Even when praying, I ensure the prayers are directed specifically to whatever I'm, I'm looking to do. I'm very deliberate with it. And as a folk Catholic, just in my practice, I all of my work, I, I ask that it comes to God and from God. So I never say this is coming from me. And that's also important as well because words matter and that I think is integral to, to my practice. So I guess the main danger or one danger is ensure you're speaking things very deliberately and specifically when communicating with spirit. The second danger in danger, even the word danger is probably a bit of a, of a dramatic term. But the second thing to be weary of is, and I have to say this, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's obvious. If you get a message and something asks to use your body for a little bit, or let me enter your body, say no. Um, <laughs> say no. Um, you'd be surprised with, this is rare, but hearing from other people other spiritual practitioners who have said that other people have have said things like this where they've had that had that happen um just don't and you might be asking well what about channeling messages and, and channeling things like that divination tarot to me that thing is already in me and that's the holy spirit that is whatever you want to call it you want to call it the Tao. you want to call it the great inner spirit i don't care it's 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 already there you don't have to invite it in 
And then I think the other thing to do is do your protection. For me, it's the Asperger's May, holy water sprinkling ritual before I do anything, um, or simply praying a few Hail Marys with holy water, or praying a rosary to begin that day. Um, so, so do your protection however that fits your practice. For me, if it's something big, it's the Asperger's May, if I'm blessing something, if I'm doing a novena, it's the Asperger's May ritual, or it's just praying the rosary with holy water, um, anointing myself in the rosary with holy water, then praying it, and then um, setting an intention with that rosary for whatever it is I'm doing and protection. All right, so let's talk about the Holy Spirit, and there will be more episodes on the Holy Spirit, but for this episode, we're talking about spiritual discernment. The Catholic Church actually teaches that before you believe in anything, even teachings from the church herself, first, you should run it by your conscience. Why do they say that? Because your conscience is the original vicar of Christ. Your conscience is the Holy Spirit. Of course, they're going to say, well, the church needs to help you form a good conscience. But at the end of the day, the church even teaches, before you believe anything, go run it through the fire of your conscience. Run it through the fire of your Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a very, I guess we can say underrated. It's underrated or at least rarely talked about concept in Christianity. It's weird. You know, you hear about Jesus the old man and then the bird, right? We don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the form of God that is present on earth. And depending on who you ask, there's energies versus essence theological debates. But if you're asking me as a practitioner, it's also the form of God that you can tap into. It's a spirit that gives us gifts, healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, which yeah, you might be thinking Pentecostal speaking in tongues, but that also means understanding um, languages you're not familiar with or understanding, intuiting people. It's more than just speaking in tongues, literally. And we're going to do episodes on that. Um, all of it, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, and it's something inside of us that can guide us. And versions are found in all Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Islam, um, you can also compare it to the Tao, to Shakti in Hinduism, to Kundalini in um, Tantric Hinduism. One can even compare it to someone who uses energy in Reiki or other type of energy healing. And we could talk about the Holy Spirit as an energy that flows into us, that we can tap into, that we can use for healing, prayer, all of that eventually. But today, I just want to focus on tapping into the Holy Spirit as a tool of discernment, as a voice of advice and direction. And like I said, this is going to be useful to, yes, discerning a message that you get when you're praying. But like I said, it's just a beautiful meditative tool that's going to help you in your life. I've used this, yes, for spiritual work and divination, but I've also used it at work, you know, should I do this or not? Is this the best use of my time in my personal life? Should I trust this person? Is this life move or investment good for me? It's, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, use it to make sure you're not messing with a demon, but you can use this for any choice in your life. So the main practice I want to talk about, again, this is fairly traditional. It comes from two, two kind of areas I'm basing this off of. One are the 
guidelines set forth by St. Ignatius of Loyola in his spiritual exercises where he recommends all of us getting to know our Holy Spirit as our intuitive guide. But also it comes largely, largely what I talk about, comes from a practice in the Eastern Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox Church called watchfulness. That term might sound familiar. It sounds a lot like mindfulness. Why? Because it's pretty much the same thing, except in mindfulness exercises, which mindfulness is a commercialized version of what you might call Vipassana meditation in, in Buddhism. Uh, mindfulness and Vipassana meditation, it's impersonal. It's more you let everything go, any voice message that comes through. And later I'm going to talk about why I still kind of do that anyway. But um, those practices are a little more impersonal, while this practice is about reforming a relationship with your guide, with your Holy Spirit is inside of you. I say your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that exists within you. All right, and the practice is very, very simple. You sit comfortably. Basically, you meditate now. <laughs> What I recommend is the Vipassana style of meditation, which is inhaling through your stomach. When you take that inhale, your stomach rises. As you exhale, you exhale through your nose. And you just get a rhythmic breathing. I talk about a similar practice in my meditation series on my Patreon, as well as my Holy Rosary episode. But you just get that rhythmic breath. Inhaling, exhaling, seeing how slow comes out your nose. Just get that rhythm. And that's it. First, that's it. Get used to sitting and watching your breath. If any thought comes, you just let it go. You watch it and you let it go. Don't hang on to anything. As Shunryu Suzuki, Zen Mind, Beginner Mind, he would say, let the thoughts come in the back door leave in the front or opposite, come in the front door, leave in the back, but don't serve them tea, right? Just let the thoughts go. Get used to that. And then the next time you do it, not next time, you're gonna wanna do this for a while. Get really used to that. It's, it's a beautiful meditation. Monks in Tibet, Nepal, they do it all the time, right? So, Work on that breathing. And that can be it. That's a beautiful exercise. But eventually, when a thought comes, notice how your body reacts. How does it react? Does it feel open or does it feel closed? Does it feel good? Does it feel bad? And start picking up on that. But it's important that you don't become attached to those thoughts. Even when you run them through, just let them go. And then over time, sit down with a particular question. Breathing, get into that state. Should I take the job offer? Now, did you feel open or did you feel closed? Did you feel that feeling you feel when you meditate and the, the good thing makes you feel that certain way, the bad thing makes you feel the bad? Get to know how your body reacts. And, and do that. So each time you have a question, just go to that state. If you have difficulty with the Vipassana, I like mantra, meditation, Japa mantra. Um, I've talked about this in past episodes. I talk about this in the rosary episode. 
If you want a Catholic version, you can do come Holy Spirit over and over. Just repeat it. Inhale, come Holy Spirit on the exhale. Come Holy Spirit and continue that exhale. Or Holy Mary, Mother of God, or the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Or if you want to do Santa Maria Mater Dei, or Domine Eso Christe, Fle de Mesorereme. Domine Eso Christe, Fle de Mesorereme. But link it with the breath. And this still takes some more practice. So another thing that I recommend you include with this, it's a really very common intuitive exercise. You are probably familiar with this. You take four playing cards. Let's say ace, two, three, four, right? And look at them all. Facing up, look at them all. Now flip them over, mix them up. Close your eyes and mix them up. Get them really mixed up. Now I want you to put your hand over every one and say, this is the ace. This is the ace. This is the ace. This is the ace. Now flip them over. Which one was the ace? And how did your body feel? And the first time you get it right, you know that is your intuition. That is the voice inside of you. That is what you could call the Holy Spirit telling you, yes, this is right. This is the feeling of yes. The others are the feeling of no. So going back to your watchfulness meditation, that same feeling when you found the ace or when you find the ace, because it's something you want to continue to exercise, that's the feeling of yes. That's the feeling of openness. That's the feeling you want. The closed is the feeling of no. So you can use this for many things, but <laughs> if we want to make this about the demonic, when you're sitting at your altar and you feel like it's a message, okay, run it through your Holy Spirit. Am I open or am I closed when I hear that? And sit on it a while. This takes practice and it takes time. It takes a lot of time, but it's, it's getting into that state and understanding how your body, your conscience, your intuition reacts. So to kind of recap watchfulness, you're sitting, you're letting the thoughts come and go, and then eventually you're understanding how your body reacts to certain thoughts and feelings. And then while you're getting that practice down, you're gonna do this card exercise where you start training your intuition for yes or no, your gut instinct for yes or no, good or bad. That way you can really tap into this open or closed-in feeling. And, and eventually you're not going to need to go into a meditative state, but it helps. It always helps if you have time to it. So over time, you're gonna have that. And then later, if you are sitting at your altar and a message comes up, you can figure out if, if this is good or bad. You feel that open feeling or that closed feeling. And I'm trying to verbalize some very specific and unique concepts. Um, I'm trying to verbalize feelings, and that is kind of difficult, but you'll see. You'll see when you sit and start reflecting on this. And another kind of, I guess you could say, another stage to this is what I talked about in the Holy Rosary episode. Um, and this comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola. He, he teaches that God can even speak to you through your imagination. So he believe, he teaches visualization. He teaches get into that meditative state and go to the wedding at Cana and go speak to Mary at a table. When you're praying the rosary, 
and you are at the Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. What's that room like? Can you go find someone and talk to them and ask them for advice? And how are you feeling when they give you that advice? Is it the open or is it the closed? So that's another layer. They go into that more deeply in the Holy Rosary episode, but it's the same thing. So this is all spiritual discernment. St. Ignatius actually uses these exercises to discern vocations in life, though also if the advice you feel you are given in a message is good or bad, if it's positive or negative for you. Now, earlier I said, I feel like most of the time I let it all go because I do. And that is because me as a practitioner, oftentimes what I am going to my altar for is to be in the presence of God. It's not always, yes, it's to ask for something, but it's also to feel the spirit, be enraptured and engulfed in, in God and the feelings I feel at my altar. So when I am in that state, yes, here, here is what I am at. Here's the situation. What can you do for me? Can you do anything for me? And then I'm done. One of the most beautiful things I, I feel about novenas are at the end of the nine days, you're done. It's over. You've done all you have could. Before the novena, you did everything you could on earth. After the novena, you did everything you could spiritually. You're done. And that's kind of how I feel about communing with spirits and saints and God is if I get a beautiful message, okay, wonderful, beautiful. I love that. Thank you. It's gone. Very rarely is it you need to act on something. Often it's this will happen or it won't, or maybe. Um, but even acting on something, of course, then I'm just going to kind of use common sense. Is it something crazy? <laughs> no. If it's something harmful, no. If it's something positive, then yes, or I'll consider it. Um, but I also think surrender is very important if you are talking about doing work at your altar um, because you don't want to become overly attached to that working you are doing and become obsessed with it and then have this mindset of always wanting, 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 or when will it happen? When will it happen? There's this beautiful aspect of surrender too. So yes, go to the altar. There's the beautiful parable about the woman who went to the judge over and over and she was so annoying, but she was so persistent that God answered her, right? Same thing, go to your altar. But when you're done, you're done. Go about your day. So I still use this intuitive exercise, this feeling exercise, trusting my gut in various aspects of my life. But when I'm doing any kind of work, if you want to call it that at my altar, it's also very much, I'm here, but I'm also here to behold and be held, right? I'm here because I like to sit at my altar and I like praying. And I like being in this presence. By the way, here's, here's something I'm dealing with. Thank you. I'm going to go now and go on with my day, right? We can't get too caught up. We have to let it go sometimes. I hate using the phrase, let go and let God, but oof, it's true sometimes. So if you get a message, Hopefully you can start doing these 
intuition exercises, these meditations, these these card exercises to to feel that opening and feeling that closing to lead you on. But also, I as I just ranted about, I also recommend watching and letting it go and trusting that the spirits that you are praying to will listen. Also, I hope that I gave you some good insight on what I call spiritual legalism. Phrasing and words are important. And also just overall discernment about what you're hearing. Is it your imagination? Is it a demon? Is it an angel? Run it through your intuition before acting. And that's all I got for today. So let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, you have given us a guide who resides within our soul. However, quite often, the chaos, noise, and distractions of the world lead us further and further away from that voice, from that calling, from that guide, that compass that resides in all of us. Through your grace, we humbly ask you to allow us to turn down the volume of the external world so that we can reside and hear your voice deep within us. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. As always, I've been your host, W. Thank you again for tuning in. And remember, listen to the Holy Spirit and where it leads you. God bless you. Thank you.